what? God's timing is perfect uh, for us to see what was happening in his life. Uh, because God's word is true and it's living and it's active. Uh, it's always applicable for us. And I just love God's sovereign hand that will lead us to this little book at a time like this with all the things that is happening. And really, what, is, what the uh, overarching title of this sermon series is, Faithfulness Amidst the Ruins. Faithfulness amidst the ruins, the ruins that were happening around him and his life. And isn't it good to know that God is faithful to us? In 1999, uh, the famous Christian band Mercy Me uh, probably put out their most famous song of all times. Uh, it was, I Can Only Imagine. Uh, how many of y'all know the song? I can only imagine. All right, if you didn't raise your hand, that's something everybody else did, so you wanted to raise it now. I mean, it's real, oh, I know that song, got that one. But it was an amazing song uh, that really was pondering what will it be like when we finally get there? What will it be like when we see God face to face? Uh, what will it be like when we enter into the, the heavenly realms? And it really, with great insight, uh, this song kind of goes through probably what many of us would also think about. What would it be like when we finally see Jesus face to face? What would it be like when we, we, we see the throne and, and we're finally home? And he writes these words, I can only imagine what it will be when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes would, would see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, yeah, surrounded by your glory. And I'm really tempted to break into song, but I won't. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you, will I be still? Will I stand in your presence, or my, to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I even be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Well, Habakkuk is going to take that imagination or imagining uh, into a reality uh, because God has given him a glimpse of what will be uh, and what is to come. And Scripture does that for us. It gives us snapshots. It gives us glimpses to help our imagination of, of what it will be. Uh, that God has given to him and to us a glimpse of the future. So it's pretty amazing. Just think about that. Habakkuk lived like, like a long time ago. Uh, he lived, you know, roughly 600 years before Jesus. And even at that time, God is like, let me give you a glimpse of what's happening. Let me tell you what, what is going to happen. Because uh, right now, I know Habakkuk looks really bleak. I know right now, uh, your, your world is upside down, and you're wondering what in the world is going on. But God told him in the midst of that bleakness, he says, hey, listen, I am God, I'm good, and I am in control. And he's going to say, all the bad stuff around you, uh, I'm going to bring judgment. I'm going to bring judgment, and more than just that, because I'm merciful, God, I'm going to bring salvation to my people. There's going to be good news. And he says this in the midst of this little book. He says that the whole earth that God created, and this is why he created it, the whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge and glory of God. Now, hit pause here for a minute. Has that happened yet? I mean, don't you long for that? I mean, don't you long for the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge and glory of God? I mean, that's why he created it, was to display his glory. And when that glory is displayed, guess what? We are going to sing hallelujah, but we're also going to fall down in silence before God. And a proper way to worship God is certainly singing to him and singing hallelujah. But a proper way of worshiping God, too, is stunned silence. 
And just know that we are in the holy God's presence. And Habakkuk has both. He has singing and silence. Habakkuk was a prophet of God. God used him to speak for God. But unlike the other prophets in the Old Testament, the prophets who would speak and they would say things like this, thus saith the Lord, Habakkuk isn't so much getting a message from God and talking to the people. Habakkuk is kind of turned toward God and he's having a conversation with God. Uh, He is talking back and forth to him. Habakkuk uh, speaking to God, why? Because he lived in a time when the most powerful country at the time, a very evil country, they're called the Chaldeans, they're the Babylonians, they were about to invade his country. You know how it felt a few weeks ago when we heard all those Russian troops were on the border? You know how you felt that this was imminent? You know that this is going to happen? Well, this is how he feels at the border are all the bad guys. They're about ready to break forth and destroy his country. Now, here's the incredible thing. His country was God's country, right? I mean, I tell you that upstate New York is God's country. Have you been there? It's beautiful. But it's not truly God's country. The old earth is his. But this, in a unique way, at that time, really was the place that uniquely was God's and God's country. Um, And they're about ready uh, to have the bad guys come take over. So he writes this oracle. It's really a lament. It's like a wait, and he cries out to God. So Habakkuk, this old prophet, he has two complaints against God. He has two main things that he's going to say. And he's got the audacity, the guts. No, no, no. He's got the faith to ask God some questions. It's interesting, isn't it? If you have true faith that you could actually ask God things when he comes in believing. So he has two complaints that he asks God. And amazingly, God answers them. I don't know about you. Sometimes I cry out to God and sometimes I get answers. A lot of times I don't. Um, I get answers from God's word. And sometimes God's spirit will lead in one way or the other. But Habakkuk is going to go right to God and say, hey, uh, basically I got two things. And the first thing is this. God, where are you? That's complaint number one. And then the second complaint is, God, how could you? Hit pause. How many of you have had that complaint before God before? How many of you guys have said in times of your life, God, where are you? How many of you maybe even right now are asking that? How many of you all have endured things in your life when you say, God, how could you? Um, Again, this is a man of faith. This is a prophet of God. He's letting us know that these are not out-of-bound questions for the God who's in control. Why? Because he has faith. And he says, God, where are you? And he's basically looking around and says, God, why aren't you doing anything about this? Hello? You know, um, uh, do you not see what's going on here? Um, Basically, here we are in this promised land, and your law is paralyzed. People are acting like they don't even have a law. They're they're lawless. They're acting like they're making things up, doing things that they want to do completely ignoring you. Your law is paralyzed. Your justice being perverted. They're they're turning around justice. I mean, they're getting the wrong people in there. They're taking bribes. This is a bad, bad stuff is happening right here. Leaders are corrupt. The ones that should be leading us are are, are taking care of themselves. And so, where are you, God? So God answers Habakkuk, and he says, hey, I'm doing something about this, Habakkuk. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something. He goes, hey, look over here. I'm raising up the Babylonians. They're going to bring judgment to my people into the world. And so now the second complaint. What? God, how could you? I mean, the Babylonians, they're worse than us. I mean, they are worse than us. How could a holy God use an evil nation to bring judgment? Now, that's a a mystery. I hope that settled in on you a little bit. 
How does a God who Habakkuk says his eyes are so pure he can't even look at evil? How, how, how God, wait a minute, let me get this right. We're, we're a mess and you're going to use them. They're worse than we are. They're, they're going to bring you a job. How could you? How could you do this? And God answers him, and I love this. God's answer is, hey, listen, Habakkuk, I want you to write this down in stone. Now, those of you who know and have read the Bible, uh, what else did God give us in stone? Anybody know? The Ten Commandments, right? And this is basically saying, hey, this is like the Ten Commandments. I mean, write this down in stone, that there is an appointed time coming where judgment is coming. There's an appointed time coming, now watch this, where where I'm going to make all things right. And until that time, and all times, the righteous shall live by faith. Hmm. Write it down. Don't forget it. Uh, I'm going to answer the bell. Uh, put this in stone. At a point in time, I will bring judgment on the wicked, and I will bring salvation on my people. And in the midst of all this, he says this. This is such great news for all of us. Hey, by the way, the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge and glory of God, and the righteous now are to live by faith. And then he talks about the woes that are coming. We looked at this last week. God will bring woe to the wicked. He's going to bring salvation to his people. So here's what happens. Habakkuk, the prophet, he stops complaining. He realizes, wow, who God is. He realizes where God is, and he starts to worship. It's a great thing. He starts to worship, and he starts his, his complaints turn into a prayer of praise and worship. So this morning, we're going to see a few things as we pick up the story where we left off last week. We're going to see this prayer, this prayer of praise. It's like a psalm. We're going to see the setting of Habakkuk's prayer, the prayer of faith, the prayer of judgment, the prayer of salvation, and the results of Habakkuk's prayer. So for us to really understand this, we're going to pick up the last verse in chapter 2, uh, and we're going to read uh, the first 16 verses in chapter 3, although this prayer continues through the end of the chapter 19, which is so beautiful, we're going to save that for the last next week. But hear the word of the Lord um, given to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit through the prophet Habakkuk. 2.20 But the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silent before him. A prayer of Habakkuk 3.1, the prophet. According to whatever that word is, you're getting off, uh, it's a musical term. Um, you're going to see that this is a musical prayer. That's a psalm. You're going to see some clues in this. It's going to use three times this phrase, selah, which is often used in, in the uh, psalms. And you'll see at the very end of this, uh, it, the, the, it's to the choir master with string instruments. So you have this prayer of Habakkuk uh, according to some kind of musical instrumentation. And in verse 2, O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, and this is, by the way, their, their, their trek in the wilderness. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. Isn't it interesting that Psalm 91 says he protects us from these things. Now they go before him in judgment. 
He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at light of your arrows as they sped, as the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury, threshed the nations in anger. Wow. Verse 13. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with uh, his... You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble. To come upon us who invaded us. We'll pick the rest up next week. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, come and make sense of this ancient prophet to our lives and to our times. Speak to a broken sinner like me. Oh, God, give us ears to hear your voice and minds that will understand your word hearts that embrace your truth, and feet that walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that are said that are wrong are merely my opinion. Let those things just fall away, be forgotten. But God, through the preaching of your word and the gospels revealed, would you use those things to help us walk by faith, to help us to be more like Jesus? We pray that you and you alone receive glory. We receive comfort and joy, strength, encouragement, and challenge. We pray all this in Christ's matchless name. Amen. Okay, the first thing we got to see is the setting of Habakkuk's prayer. It's, it's amid the ruins. I think I've given you enough of that background. I mean, really, it's bad stuff going on right now. So in the midst of this, he's praying. So when your life is in ruins, when things are upside down, this is a great time to pray, right? And also, what does he show us? He, he prays in a way that he's asking some questions amid the ruins. But what do we hear? I picked up in verse 20 that we are reminded that the Lord is in his holy temple. God is on the throne. No matter what is happening in our world, as upside as it, down as it gets, God is ruling and reigning. He is on the throne. Now, literally at that time, they said, well, there was a temple in Jerusalem, so God had a unique presence there. But we know that he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings, that God is reigning and ruling in his temple. And so because of the reality of, of where he was and that setting, his complaint turns into prayer and praise. And the first thing we're going to see after that, the next thing is that it's the prayer of faith in verses 1 and 2. It's a beautiful prayer of faith, 
He's going to say, I have heard, I've heard about the Lord, I've heard about his work, I've heard these things, and I do fear, which basically means I believe. I've heard God, I've heard what he's doing, and I do believe. Uh, he says this in, in, in verse 2, I've heard the report of you. What is the report of God? What has he heard about God? Remember, this is a prophet of God. He's talking to him face to face. Well, I think it would help us. What is the report he's heard? Let's go back to verse one, chapter 1, verse 12. He says this about God. He knows this. He says, oh God, are you not from everlasting? You're eternal God. Oh Lord, and he uses that, that's in capital letters, meaning, oh Yahweh, my, my covenant God that I'm in relationship with, Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, I'm in relationship with you by your grace. You've put me as your own. You are mine. He says, we shall not die. In the midst of all this, I got hope. Oh, Lord, you have ordained them as judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. What does he do? What does he know? He says this. This is what I know about God. He's everlasting. He's always been. He's okay. He's outside of time. He's not up in heaven right now wringing his hands, wondering what's going to happen. He's got all this in control. Oh, Lord, you're my God. You are my Holy One. You're my defender, my rock, my redeemer, my friend. I mean, this is what we need to do in the midst of the storm. We need to go and we need to look right at God and just be reminded of who he is. And we've got to be reminded that he is our rock. He is our redeemer. He is from everlasting. And then we can say to ourselves, in Christ Jesus, we shall not die. And we think of John 11. Though we die, that we, he is a resurrection and life. We live. We live in Christ Jesus. God will bring judgment. Think of how that felt to Habakkuk. He's got the worst nation at his doorstep. They're about ready to bring God's judgment upon them. His whole world is going to be upside down. But in the midst of that, God's going to remind him, I got you. I got you. Your life here, it might perish. The things you might have here, you might lose. But me, you'll never lose. He says, I've heard of your work. Habakkuk realized by faith that the world was moving in a direction. Do you ever feel like the world is just mindless? We're, we're just spinning out of control? But here's what he realized. We need to realize God is orchestrating history in a way that the whole earth will be filled with his glory. What is God's plan for the earth? To fill it with his glory. What is God's plan for the earth? To save his people. What is God doing on the earth right now? He's somehow bringing glory to himself, and he's somehow right now filling the earth with his glory. It's not all done yet, and he's somehow saving his people. History is going somewhere. It's his story. His plan is unfolding. His plan is unfolding in ways that's mysterious to us that we don't always get, but he's doing it. Why? For his glory. No matter where we are in history, no matter where we are in his story, the culmination of God's story is God's glory filling the earth. Hit pause. Let that wash over you. The reality is, is it's going to end well. I don't know where you are in the story right now. I don't know what's going on, but we know that in Christ Jesus, this is going to end well. Uh, maybe not in our lifetime, but one day it will. God's people are being rescued. Evil is being destroyed. I love the hope that's woven throughout this whole thing. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God. This is so important. God has you here. God has me here for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor, to do that now, tomorrow, and forever. Habakkuk 2.14 reminds us, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of our Lord as the water covers the sea. Such good news. God, I know that a day is coming 
And we read it in 3, 3b, his splendor covers the heaven and the earth will, was full of his praise. How does the earth be full of his praise and full of his glory? God must do two things. God will bring judgment on his enemies and he'll bring salvation to his people. And Habakkuk says, hey, I do believe. I fear. I believe. The righteous are to walk by faith right now. Habakkuk 2.4 says, but the righteous shall live by faith. And so that's, that's where we find ourselves too. Have faith. God's in control. Christ has come. We're rescued and redeemed. The end will end well for us. Walk by faith. And then he says, in the midst of the years, Lord, revive it. Revive what? Revive this knowledge. Revive this reality of who you are and what you are doing. God's report and God's work. Revive it. In the midst of the year, make it known. Reveal it. That's what we're to do, church. We gather every Sunday morning to be revived the hope that God is still good and on, control, in the, on the throne. And we've got to reveal it to the world that desperately needs to know it. And I love what he says in the beginning of this prayer. By the way, in wrath, remember mercy. God, you're going to make all things new. You're going to take out the bad guys. But isn't it great he leads with mercy? Isn't it great that he's long-suffering? God, remember your mercy. God will bring judgment and salvation. The only way for the earth to be filled with the knowledge and glory of God is to be filled, to fill with his praises is for judgment and salvation to come. And it started. Christ has come. We see the prayer of, uh, of judgment. We see the prayer of faith. It's, it's scary. At verses 3 through 12, who, it's, it's hard to read. It talks about the fury of God's wrath. Who, wants, who, who loves the fury of God's wrath? I mean, maybe, maybe we're holy and good enough. Maybe some of you are like, man, I, I love the fury. He's a holy God, but it scares me to death. The fury of God's judgment. It says the nations will tremble. It's so bad. God's holy wrath is so bad, the nations will tremble, verse 6. And it says the creation in itself will writhe. I mean, talk about a holy wrath. I mean, talk about mountains that are going to be crumbling in the presence of our great God. This is a, an amazing prayer of judgment. And we see the reality of God's fury and judgment on Jesus on the cross. Now, if you've lost me, come back at this point. There's not one sin or there's not one sinner that judgment is not coming to. Let me, I said that plural. All sin and all sinners will face judgment because that's who God is. He's holy. He's just. Let me just tell you, that's what the Bible says. So many people wrongly think, oh, he's good and he's nice and he's, he's merciful. He's going to kind of wink at sin. He's going to kind of forget about it. He's going to say, you're a good guy. You're a great gal. I mean, you're okay. Come on in. No, he can't. That's not what a holy God can do. So there's not one sin or there's not one sinner that will not face God's judgment. Every single one. So there's a difference. There are those who are in Christ and there are those who are not. Those who are in Christ, God has placed the wrath that we rightly deserve, the judgment that we rightly deserve, he placed it on Jesus. You want to know about God's fury and wrath to sin? Look at the cross of his son. That's where he poured it out, that wrath and fury on him. Why? So he can give us grace and mercy. It's amazing. But every sin and every sinner will be paid for. The wrath is coming. And by God's grace, I deserve it, but I'm not getting it because there's not double jeopardy because Jesus hung on a cross for me and Jesus became my sin and he experienced the hell of saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he'll never have to forsake faith forsake me 
He turned his back on his own son so he'll never turn his face against me. The wrath and fury of God was absorbed so the blessings of God could be ours. But let's not lose the fact that if you're not in Christ, that fury remains, that wrath. Scripture says wrath remains on you if you're not in Christ Jesus. This is a prayer of judgment. But thank God, Jesus is our substitute. And then there's this beautiful prayer of salvation. In verse 8, it says that he's coming uh, like on a chariot of salvation. Uh, in verse 13 through 15, it says, Salvation of God's people, that he himself, God says, personally, I'm going to come, and I'm going to bring personally my salvation. And it's really cool what he says here in this passage in verse 13. Watch this. He says, I'm going to come personally and bring salvation to my people. And watch this. I'm going to bring salvation through my anointed one. Whoa! Who's the anointed one? He's the Messiah. He's basically saying, and this is an incredible glimpse of what will, will come. Salvation is coming to my people, and it's coming through the Messiah, the anointed one, who we know to be Jesus, my son. God himself is going to bring salvation because God himself is going to wrap himself in flesh. God himself uh, being conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. God himself is going to walk on our earth. God is experiencing everything we have, all the temptations we have, yet without sin. God himself has come to seek and to save the lost. His name is Jesus. It's amazing, God's anointed. And what will he do? It says this in verse, uh, it says that he will crush the head of the evil one. And I love God's story because from the very beginning of the story, in the very beginning, in chapter 3, when we rebelled against God and brought this curse and fall, God makes a promise. The first promise of the gospel is Genesis 3.15. That God says, I'm going to put enmity uh, between the woman's seed and between serpent, uh, the devil. Uh, but you know what's going to happen? The seed that's going to come, the seed that's going to be a savior, the seed that's the anointed one, he's going to come and guess what he's going to do to Satan? He's going to crush his head. And Satan's going to bruise his heel. So here we see the fulfillment of this. God himself will crush the head of evil. And then he says this, God will pierce his enemies with their own arrow. I love it. God's going to twist them in a knot and make what they're trying to use for evil fall upon themselves. They're going to pierce themselves with their own implements of war. Does anybody think about what piercing themselves with their own implements of war might point to? How about some nails? How about a Roman cross? How about saying, hey, this cross was used to take the worst of sinners and to publicly humiliate them and, and, to, and to execute them and to show the world this is what happens when you mess with the Roman Empire. And he's going to take those, and, and those nails that they drove into Jesus, he's basically saying, they think they're getting a victory by driving nails into my hands and my feet. They've pierced me, but through my wounds, we will be healed. That's the gospel. How amazing. Through, through my wounds. So here, here comes the anointed one. Here comes our Savior. The one who will be pierced for us so that we could be set free. God will crush the head of evil. He will be pierced with his enemy's arrows. And he will conquer, uh, trample over chaos, which is saying, I'm going to bring peace and conquer over evil. And so what's the result of Habakkuk's prayer? I love what it says in verse 16. Let's close with this. I hear 
remember he started off by hearing and believing. He ends right here with hearing. He says, I hear, but you know what? I fear. Yet I tremble. I tremble. I love the reality of this. Here's a man of faith who knew what God was doing, and yet in the midst of it all, would you not be terrified if Babylon is about to invade you? Would you not be terrified? Listen, God's word says history's going somewhere, and I got you, and I got this. But aren't you still times terrified? And I love the beauty and the reality is, hey, I hear, but I tremble. I tremble. I'm afraid. God, help me. I believe, but help my unbelief. But then he says this, I quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I trust him. I quietly wait. Sometimes not so quiet, sometimes maybe more so quiet, but quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Where are we in history? Where are we in his story? Our Savior has come. He has come and he's conquered death. He's come and he's, he's provided forgiveness for us. But now, what do we do? Sometimes tremble, man, the world around us and the world within us. But we quietly wait because the story's not over. He's going to bring us home. We're going to make it, not because we're good, because he's faithful. We're forgiven and free. And now we quietly wait for the story to continue to unfold. We have a meal that reminds us uh, as we tremble, a meal that reminds us as we quietly wait. Uh, it's a meal that Jesus gave to his disciples and to us. It reminds us of a sacrifice that the anointed one made so that we can be forgiven and free. Watch this. It's a meal that reminds us that we are safe from the wrath of God because of the Son of God. Only Him. And it's a meal for His family that we are to partake of as we quietly wait because His promises aren't all fully here, saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and strengthen us for the journey. Tonight, today, I'm so excited we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to no longer have those disposable COVID safe things. Um, we're going to still keep safe. Uh, we have um, both bread and individual cups, and we have juice. I'm so excited about the juice. The outer ring, grape juice. The inner ring, wine. And so uh, you have both uh, there. Uh, I don't know what your tradition's like, but I think that's fantastic that we have both. Um, I was going to have elders on this side and elders on this side. We're going to have you come down and go back this way, but look at what happened here. And so we're going to try to get you to come forward. Um, I'll have a set of elders right here. And by the way, um, you should be getting a letter uh, from me. Have you guys gotten a letter yet talking about your elders? Have you gotten that yet? Your shepherding elders? Nope. I'm getting word from the back. That's coming soon. Uh, you'll hear from your elders. Uh, one's not here. Bill Talby's not here. So we'll have two sets of, of our elders being here go to one or the other. I don't know how this is going to work. There might be a traffic jam. Um, I think I'm going to put you guys over here still. So I don't know. Well, this is going to be interesting, but God's going to prepare us. Um, it'll be fantastic. I'm so excited to celebrate this meal with you. Um, let us pray. Father God, we're grateful for this song, uh, the song of hope, the song of faith, the song of judgment, um, the song of the reality that, God, you are good. God, what, a, what incredible messages that we've learned from the book of Habakkuk. And we thank you for how appropriate it is for us today. Jesus, we thank you that you gave a meal to your disciples in that upper room the night that you were betrayed, uh, leading to the cross. We thank you that that meal reminds us of your promises that are true. It reminds us of a sacrifice that was made for us. And it reminds us that we're to do this until you return, that there's more of the story that you will come and all things will be made new. 
So God, come and feed us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.